Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and joining us for this episode on Psalm 12, we're happy to have Maddie Trivets back to keep exploring the Psalms with us. For those who didn't hear her first episode on Psalm 5, of course, you should listen to that one. But whether you've heard it or not, I think you'll appreciate Maddie's care and heart for all people which bleeds into any conversation she's a part of and, of course, is a regular feature of the Psalms themselves. So where else to begin a podcast about the Psalms than with the Psalm? So here's Maddie reading Psalm 12. Psalm 12. Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips but harbor deception in their hearts. May the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. Those who say, by our tongues we will prevail, our own lips will defend us. Who is Lord over us? Because the poor are plundered and the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. You, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked, who freely strut about when what is vile is honored by the human race. Maddie, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Thanks. I will say it has been so much fun to listen to all of these psalm podcast recordings. And I just feel like I've learned a lot about God in the past 11 episodes. So thank you for doing this. Did you particularly enjoy listening back to Psalm 5? Was that your favorite? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I've been loving all this conversation about justice and the anger of God. It's been so good. Yeah, it's certainly been a theme in these early psalms. Maybe we'll find in all the psalms, certainly. But yeah. uh, the last few in particular feel like they've kind of zeroed in on some of that. And I guess today's psalm maybe continues some of those threads as yeah. we will talk about. Yeah. Not, not to not to bias your responses to our questions Ooh. at all. <laughs> well, glad you're here. Thanks for agreeing to do this again. The second time of many, I'm sure. But let's dive into our three questions for Psalm 12. Maddie, our first question is always, what stood out to you in reading this psalm? So I think what most stood out to me in this psalm, there were two things. But the first is sort of this notion of betrayal. It feels like there's a bit of a conversation here about betrayal and then sort of the promise and the loyalty of God. Mm. But this betrayal kind of, it, it almost seems like from the whole human race, like we get in, in verse one, no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. <laughs> and how we know that this betrayal has happened is how people are treating their neighbors, which I found really interesting that sort of how we treat our neighbors. So these these people, this human race, I guess, is treating their neighbors with deceit and plundering the poor and causing pain for the needy. They're flattering with their lips and there's just dishonesty and 
a lack of care, I think, for neighbor. And that seems to be what the psalmist is really crying out for help because of. Hmm. So that was one thing that stood out. I appreciate you bringing us back to kind of that beginning emotional place of kind of deep betrayal of maybe multiple people, maybe one that feels has just been maybe had a particular impact on the psalmist. But it's interesting then you drew out the contrast too of the promise and I think you said loyalty of mm-hmm. God, which I hadn't necessarily seen those two in conversation, but it's wonderfully present here. So yeah, that's helpful to point to. What's the second thing? I mean, you said you yeah. have two things. You, you never have to answer this question with just one thing. <laughs> the second thing comes at the end, actually. This verse mm-hmm. seven, you, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked. So the psalmist here is clearly identifying with the needy, which I just found really interesting. So whoever it is that's writing this psalm, that's praying this prayer, clearly identifies with the needy. And I just, I thought that was an interesting kind of tone change that you will keep the needy safe and will protect us from the wicked. There, There's sort of, there's the wicked and then there's the needy and the ones in need of God who recognize perhaps their need for God here. And there's kind of mm-hmm. those two groups and you're either... You're either with God or you're not. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where the Psalms often are pretty stark in sort of <laughs> who God favors and who he doesn't, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that is a fascinating, fascinating move. Speaking to kind of what you're talking about in terms of God caring for the needy, the thing that really stood out to me is this is only the second time in the Psalms so far that I can tell that God says anything. Mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. So Psalm 2, you have in this coronation psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. And he goes on, this is God speaking to his anointed. And then we have the Psalm 3 through 12 and including one where God's basically not saying anything. It's just the psalmist asking for God, sometimes right. explicitly asking for God to say things, asking for God to do things. And then here in the midst of a very short psalm, suddenly God speaks. Mm-hmm. And the thing that he speaks about is that because the poor are plundered and the needy grown, I will now arise. And I don't think we're supposed to think that God has sort of been slumbering through the last 10 Psalms or so and just now is waking up. But there is a sense in which this points us to the importance and the significance of this particular issue. And what's mm-hmm. fascinating to me in part is it revolves all around speech. We have this word plundered and the groans of the needy but it seems like primarily the issue here is that people are being abusive with their language that they're deceiving one another that they're flattering a culture of lies is not only denigrating to one another but it's actually disadvantaging the most vulnerable and so god decides now's the moment sort of for me to speak it's Mm -hmm. kind of a remarkable thing i think it really highlights this psalm as something to to pay attention to it reminds me too of what you and Grant spoke about in Psalm 11, that sort of, that violence can be something beyond maybe just harm, like a physical harm to your neighbor, that sort of the way we treat our neighbors, the way we talk about our neighbors, the way we talk to our neighbors, the way we talk about people we don't like, all of that too can be a form of violence that God clearly abhors in a lot of ways. 
these psalms speak so much, I think, to each other. Shall we move on to our second question as we continue unpacking the psalm a bit? Maddie, I'm curious, what do we learn about God from this psalm? Well, you touched on this already, but I was also so struck by this line, says the Lord, that God verbally somehow responds, that this verse five, there's this tonal shift between this cry for help, help Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. And now the Lord responds, I will arise. And I think, again, sort of the loyalty of God, that God will side with the poor and the plundered and the needy. And that's where God's loyalty lies. And that God is not only loyal to them, but that God will protect them from those who malign them. It says here, Mm -hmm. continuing on in verse five, that, that there's sort of this audible response from God. And I think in the commentaries that I was reading, which, you know, we're all of two, it's, <laughs> it's probably not this audible voice from God coming down from the heavens or however we might imagine it. Perhaps this is sort of a prophet or a priest speaking on behalf of God. But I think it does pose a really interesting question of where is God in the midst of our prayers? And can we listen for God's response in the midst of our cry for help as well? Because I think mm. God, God will respond. God does respond when we cry out for help. So kind of how are we listening for God in that way? Yeah. And maybe he did speak audibly. You know, who knows? We, it's I guess true. We, we don't know. It's interesting. Just building off what you're saying. One thing that's fascinating to me is God is the only recourse to this lying speech that's happening mm. in the psalmist world. I was thinking about the sort of the playground saying sticks and stones may break my bones but names will never hurt me and here the psalmist is almost saying the opposite sticks and stones i can deal with it's these words god i need your help no one is faithful anymore their speech means nothing they're all lying to me i i need you where i think often it's yeah we're sort of like okay just brush brush the words off someone's gossiping about you just ignore them and I think it's to ignore the power that words have and then also to bring God into that conversation, I think, is to acknowledge also the power that God has and the contrast, right? I, you've been drawing this helpfully with just pointing to God's loyalty. The psalmist takes a whole verse to talk about then the words of the Lord. It's the words of the Lord are flawless. They're like silver, purified in a crucible. They're like gold refined seven times. They are they are invaluable. They are certain. There's a beauty to them even. And so... Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing, both to contrast, and it's an interesting thing to hold on to, is that it's not only does God say he will do something, which is pretty good, I think, in the first place, if God says, but the fact that he carries through and will carry through is certainly a vital part of this psalm. It is the thing that distinguishes God from everyone else, because there is certainty in his words where there is no certainty in anyone else's. You've started to talk about this already, so it's really good to move to our last question, I think. How does this psalm help us to pray? Man, it's funny. I I didn't really expect much from this psalm. That that sounds kind of mean <laughs> to say, but I was sort of like, okay, yeah, like it's just a it's a nice little eight verses. You know, there's some good stuff in here, I think, about betrayal and the loyalty of God and the promise of God. 
But of course, I under underestimated the power of scripture because <laughs> this psalm, I think, teaches us so much about how to pray as a longing, a longing for things to be different. The psalm mm. kind of jumps in. There's there's not really any formality. It's just help, Lord. No one is faithful anymore. There's just such a sincere longing for things to be better. There's no sort of like, if it is in your will for things to go this huh. way, then perhaps yeah. it shall. But it's like, like, God, I have been betrayed and we are not treating our neighbors well. And we are causing violence with our words and our deception. That's not how it should be. It's kind of as simple as that. It just feels like a really genuine cry for help and a mm. really authentic expression of longing for things to be the way they should be and not how they are, which feels really relevant in a world at the end of 2020, a year that has not been the way that we wanted it to be, or perhaps even it should have been. And just in a year of, you know, a divisive election and all these things that I think we have all said words to our neighbors or about our neighbors that we perhaps should not have said. Um, and that's not the way it should be. And so even how the psalm ends with the wicked are freely strutting about and what mm -hmm. is vile is honored by the human race, even when it seems like things aren't going to get better, like the psalm kind of ends on a bummer of a note. But we can still pray to the God who is loyal and faithful. And like you said earlier in our conversation, a God whose words are pure and timeless and flawless, that the promise of God, I think, holds on even when the world looks really not like it is supposed to be looking. Yeah. There's a beautiful tie-in, I think, to our conversation about Psalm 5, where we talked about trajectories mm -hmm. of longing these more vindictive sounding psalms but even here where there's a kind of suffering almost inherent and there's a the longing that comes out of that place i think still has a trajectory it has a longing but i think as you were talking it strikes me that it really takes a lot of imagination to pray that way in other words the psalmist there's a version of this where they could just say help i have no vision for what anything different could look like because this is just the world I live in, but they do have a vision. They, they want the Lord to silence the flattering lips. They don't want boasting to continue. They basically want the silencing of this. And that's kind of an imaginative vision. And I think we can bring that into prayer. And it goes to, I think what you're saying at, when you said at the very beginning, we often hedge our prayers, right? Lord, if this is your, your will. And I wonder if sometimes, I'd be curious on your thoughts about this, but I wonder if it's sometimes because we're not confident of kind of a sanctified imagination. We're not confident that the things that we imagine and desire in the world are the things that God would desire and imagine, if that makes sense. And so we sort of then start hedging because we're, which I, I mean, in some sense, there's a rich tradition of deferring to God, right? I mean, this is the Lord's prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and Jesus in the garden, right? Not my will, but your will. But also the Psalms introduce us to when we catch a vision of the sort of divine God's imagination for what the world can look like, we can pray into that with a kind of confidence. I mean, what do you think? I've brought in this word now, imagination, into the conversation. Does it belong here? I think so. I mean, isn't that 
the whole prophetic imagination, Walter Brueggemann vision sort of that we say more say more about well, that for okay. our friends who wouldn't know, who wouldn't be familiar with Walter Brueggemann. It's about sort of imagining taking biblical and theological themes and sort of imagining what the world could be like mm. from them. There's I think maybe perhaps a lack of imagination in in Christian conversation or the I don't know the Christian world today that that is sort of, I think, a hindrance to doing God's work, to bringing in the kingdom, to living as disciples of Christ, and we lack that imagination that things could be better, that things should be better. In the Christian world, I mean, I feel like I have a lack of imagination all the time. Oh, yeah, me too. Okay, this is what I do, right? I mean, often it's quite personal, I think, our lack of imagination. Like, this is how that person is. This is why they are that way. And implicit in that is there is no hope for change mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like oh well that's not very that's not very imaginative nor is it really giving wor- god's words i think the chance to act and transform right so yeah for me for me it's quite personal i think as well right i i am notoriously bad at imagining and dreaming and all of these things that sort of go beyond maybe the day-to-day mm-hmm. list of things to do But there is really, I think this psalm, you're right, it does invite us to sort of imagine. If we can't even imagine what could be better than this world that the psalmist is describing, that at least we trust, like we just hold on to this sheer trust that God has something better in store. And that's almost like the first step, perhaps, in the imagination. It's like, I am at such a low point, I am looking around and watching the world honor what I know God would not honor. And yet Mm -hmm. God's words are flawless. And yet God stands with the poor and the needy. And God at least has something so much bigger and better in store for this world. So it's sort of a first invitation, I think, into that imagination, I guess. And the importance, right? This was one one of the things that I noted in terms of how this psalm helps us to pray, the importance of listening to God. Right. Uh, one of the things I appreciate about the fact that this psalm has God speaking again is it calls us to listen as in the midst of our prayer. Mm-hmm. In other words, our prayer aren't just, okay, God, here, I hope you participate in the imaginative world that I am weaving on my own. Exactly. It's actually, okay, I know that I need to pause and hear and be formed by the vision of the world that you have. And what's kind of fascinating from a faith perspective as we read these psalms is we both are invited to pray them they both become the words we pray and every word is also a word we hear from the spirit Hmm. so the psalms both are doing both for us they are both giving us opportunity to listen and opportunity to pray and i think when we find ourselves doing both the psalms are going to breathe life into us in really remarkable ways where we both hear them as helping form us which is in some sense what this whole podcast is about spending a little bit more time with each psalm allowing it to shape kind of the things that we think about god the things we might think about the world the ways that we pray and then also you know actually praying them actually using them as words for our prayers so yeah i'm sold i'm sold on the whole idea of this podcast yeah (laughs) you're doing god's work see you're imagining (laughs) In all seriousness, it has been a gift to dive into these. We were even talking off mic before this. You know, Psalm 12, here's eight verses in the middle of the Bible. 
I think I can speak for both of us that neither of us have studied Psalm 12 in depth in the past. Correct. But then you read them and there's so much in here and there's such richness. And yeah, even in this conversation, I think the invitation to envision a world that is full of truth tellers and where uh, the truth doesn't take advantage of those who are needy and poor. That's a really deep vision. That's not an eight verse vision. That's an all of life vision, Mm. you know, so... I continue to appreciate the Psalms and I don't expect that to lessen anytime soon. Yeah. And it just echoes, I think, so well themes we experience throughout scripture. That yeah. even in these eight verses, there's so much to learn about God that is consistent with what we learn about God across scripture, but also kind of points us to new experiences with God and to imagine a world of God's flawless word and truth. Well, Maddie, that is a great last word. Thanks so much for joining me to talk about Psalm 12. I know I appreciate you. I'm sure the listeners appreciate you. And we'll look forward to having you back for a future Psalm. Thanks, Matt. It's always such a gift to be here and have this conversation with you. All right, friends, as we go, the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. So go out and pray the Psalms. Mm-hmm.